0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, Happy New Year. If anybody doesn't know me, my name is Harlan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard Church. And this morning, uh, we are wrapping up our Receiving the Blessing Advent series, or holiday series. What did you call it this morning, Adam? I don't remember. You don't remember. It doesn't matter. The series we've been on. We're wrapping that up by looking at receiving the blessing of Christ the Lord. It's pretty cool that we ended up ended with that line, magnify the Lord with me. That, that song meant a lot more after doing this sermon this week about the Lord. So we're looking at receiving the blessing of Christ the Lord. And I spent most of my week just fixated on this word Lord. Uh, the word Lord in the Bible is a really interesting story, study. Uh, But the short of it is that both the Hebrew and Greek words for Lord really basically mean what you think they would. Uh, They mean the person who's in charge of something or someone, whether that's it by inherent right, like a king, or by appointed position, like a, a president or a governor, I guess. But the implication of this word Lord is that the person actually has authority. And so, therefore, obedience is required uh, from those under that authority. Makes sense. Now, our topic this morning is the blessing that comes from Jesus actually being Lord over a person's life. And we know that now, by definition, for somebody to be Lord over me means that I owe that person my allegiance in the form of obedience. And so it's really easy to think then uh, that I can just kind of earn God's blessing from my obedience. That would be a really quick and easy sermon. Just do this and God will give you that. If only it were that simple. (laughs) Uh, But when it comes to true Christianity, it doesn't quite work like that. Because what I just described Is really the essence of a religion. God, I will do this for God, and so God will do that for me. That's really the essence of a religion, which is merely sort of the outward shell of true communion with God. But it ultimately has no substance and no life because it has no relationship. It's just strictly transactional. I'll do this, you'll do that. It kind of reminds me, Um, of the state of the people to whom God said about they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so as I was thinking about all of this this week, I just finally had to come to the point where I asked myself, why do I willingly choose to obey God? Like God is the, Jesus is the Lord of my life, but why, why do I willingly choose to obey him? And the answer was simply because I love him. Like, that's the honest truth. I I obey him because I love him. It was that simple. It wasn't because I'm trying to gain anything beyond what I already have. It's simply that I know him and I love him. And so honestly, my heart's desire is just to obey him. And that's really enough for me. It really is. So, when I'm tempted to sin, which we all are, certainly including myself, when I'm tempted to sin, and the Holy Spirit comes to me and warns me about what's happening right now, all he really does is just turn my heart to look at Jesus. And when I see Jesus, I'm telling you, something happens. Something happens inside of me, and I want to resist the sin. I want to resist it because Jesus wants me to, and I love him. And that's enough. That's enough of an argument for me. I go, you win. And it's so simple when it's done the way that God intends it, which is in this relationship with him. And I want everybody to know that this really is the way that God intends it all to happen. In relationship that we obey Him out of love. And in that context of relationship with God, that's where we find God's blessing. That's where we find the blessing of Christ the Lord as we walk in obedience with Him and to Him. And so, it really just kind of all came home for me when I was looking through all the scriptures this week, and I came across John 14, Which simply says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Not all this other stuff about what you might or might not get. If you love me, obey my commandments. I spent a lot of time on that verse this week. Well, We see in other places in scripture how this loving obedience certainly does result in blessing. Uh, A popular social media verse comes from Romans 8.28. I don't have Facebook or anything like that, but I see it every once in a while. Uh, And it usually reads something like, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Great verse. I love that verse. I've spent so much time on that verse, gaining hope and strength and confidence and, uh, you know, resolve from that verse. But the social media version isn't quite... um, isn't quite accurate what the verse actually says is and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them so it's for those that love God again love God and walk according to his purpose um, it's for those people that God works together everything for good So I just really want to highlight that loving God part is pretty important, right? It's pretty important. We see another really cool example of this um, in Peter's restoration. Peter is a a disciple of Jesus, followed him throughout his ministry, and then right at the end, uh, he denies Jesus and so just after doing this, just after Peter denies Jesus, which is a pretty big deal, by the way, when we consider that at its core, it was, it was kind of essentially the same sin as Judas, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, but in any case, when Jesus restores Peter, we read in John 21, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And then Jesus says, then feed my lambs. You see, serve me because you love me. That's the reason why. And then Jesus does this two more times. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And even a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, I don't think that this this repeating question was for the benefit of Jesus, so Jesus could really be sure that Peter loved him. As Peter said, he knows everything. So that only means that this this repeating question can only be for the benefit of Of Peter, to bring Peter to that place of, I really do love you. And so I really am going to cross that line and serve you out of love and nothing else. It's a pretty intense encounter. So, what we see then is that true love is what really leads to obedience. Love is not just a feeling although it certainly does accompany, a feeling accompanies it oftentimes. But true love is actually proven and completed by action. So those who obey Jesus are proven to be those who truly love him, right? Makes sense. And we see in scripture um, that Jesus draws a pretty hard line on this. We read, for example, in Luke 6, Jesus says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it was well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation, which sounds a lot like my house in the heights, by the way. (laughs) I'm a little worried about the snow melt. (laughs) So when the floods come and sweep against my house in the heights, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. We also see in Matthew 7, "Not Not everyone who calls out to me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. You know, I could be like, I went to church every Sunday in your name. I got a pastor job in your name. I preached in your name. But without Jesus truly being Lord of my life, I run the serious risk of hearing the words, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. This relationship thing and obedience, it's pretty important. John 13, just to drive the point home, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. So if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's what it means to have Jesus be Lord over us. So we see that love for Jesus, obedience to him, and the blessing of his lordship, we can't really separate them. They are intimately intertwined. And I'll tell you what, this is something that I have learned... The hard way. Love for Jesus is the only way to really sustain obedience over the long term, and it's the only way to uh, reap the blessings that come with it. Because the truth is, is that obedience to Jesus will make things more difficult in this life in certain ways. So the person who tries to obey out of simple religion will eventually fall away because true obedience is gonna result in hatred from the world in some form or another. And there will come a point then uh, when truly following Jesus without loving him, it just won't be worth it anymore. The benefits you know, won't outweigh the cost. Uh, John 15, Jesus says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Or in Luke 6, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? Mark 13, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. This is a cheerful sermon, right? <laughs> or I can't forget uh, our buddy John in 1 John, which simply says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So, you know, this is kind of the reality of the Christian life. And so it makes a lot of sense why Jesus told us to really consider what it means to bow to him as Lord and really count the cost. As we read in Luke 14, uh, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, "'If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple.'" And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Again, kind of like the heights. (laughs) And then everyone would laugh at you like they laugh at me. Just kidding. Uh, they would say, there's the, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it, right? What a loser. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So, you cannot become my disciple Without giving up everything you own. Pretty easy to understand, pretty black and white. It's also interesting uh, that Jesus didn't really give any room for people to really straddle the line on his lordship. As he says in Matthew 12, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't uh, working with me is actually working against me. So, you know, I bring all this to light because I think it's, it's pretty important to hear in our day and age, because honestly, there's a lot of people, um, you know, in our culture who, who do call Jesus Lord in their minds, but they don't actually bow to him with their lives. They might even go to church every Sunday, and yet for some reason, they refuse to receive him as their Lord. And that's really, in my opinion, one of the great deceits of our time and place, uh, that a person can receive Jesus as Savior but not bow to him as Lord. But we saw clearly from Jesus' words that to have him as Savior is to know him and love him, which results in obedience. So what we can take from that, then, is the person who doesn't care about obedience doesn't truly love Jesus. Now, I'm not saying the person who struggles with obedience, because we all struggle with obedience. That's what it is to be a sinner. I'm talking about the person who doesn't care about obedience, doesn't truly love Jesus, and that puts them in a really dangerous and scary spot. It also puts them in a very confusing spot because their life still sucks. They're still in bondage to sin, and that sin does what sin does. Sin just wreaks havoc in their lives, and it causes chaos and destruction everywhere they go, hurting themselves and hurting other people. They have no love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. You see, Jesus isn't truly their Lord, and so they have no blessing. Peace, love, goodness, gentleness, all those, all those things. On the other hand, to truly receive the lordship of Jesus in our lives is to receive the king of peace and love and hope and joy. All those things we've been lighting the candles about this season. When Lord Jesus comes into our life, that's what happens to it. Our external circumstances might still be crazy, But we have peace inside. We are unshakable inside. Uh, The blessing of Christ's Lordship is also true life and true freedom as opposed to bondage, the bondage that sin brings. You know, so what's what I wish I could just get so many people to understand is that when Jesus calls us to obedience, he's calling us to freedom. Freedom away from abusive slavery to sin and selfishness. The things of this world, they offer us freedom. You flip on the TV and there's just commercial after commercial after commercial of things offering us freedom. But the truth is that true freedom is only found under the lordship of Jesus and obedience to him. In Galatians 5, we read, For you have been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 1 Peter 2, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And so, you know, all of our lives are somewhere on a spectrum when it comes to how much Jesus is truly the Lord of our hearts. Some of us may have never known Christ as Lord, and we need to submit to Him for the first time this morning and reap those blessings. Others of us have known the blessing of Jesus' Lordship in areas of our lives, but we all still have areas uh, that we are resisting Him. You know, the truth about the Christian life, as I mentioned earlier, is that we're all still sinners. Like, even though we are redeemed, even though we are saved, even though we have stand before God with the righteousness of Jesus, we're not yet made perfect. And so as sinners, the truth is that obedience can be really difficult at times. Or maybe a lot of the time. Why is that? The quick answer is the reason obedience is hard for us is because we don't want to do it, right? That's what makes obeying hard. Something in our hearts resists. So, like, for me, it took me a long time to figure this out. Like, why is that like that, and what do I do about it? And I came to this conclusion, man, wouldn't it be so great if Jesus could just change my heart so I actually did want to do it. Obedience is so much easier when you actually want to do it, right? Then I came across something pretty cool in the Bible. Way back in the Old Testament, God promised to do exactly that. God promised uh, to give people new hearts that would truly love him and truly desire to obey him. We see this, for example, in Ezekiel 36, which reads, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you. Here it comes. So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. It's so much easier when you want to do it. And when this process happens in a person, the result is the blessing of Christ's lordship in their lives. This new heart is the blessing of relationship with God and his Holy Spirit uh, dwelling in us. It's interesting, the spirit spoken of by Ezekiel, God says, I'll put, you know, my spirit in you. The spirit spoken of by Ezekiel is the same spirit that Jesus promised after saying, if you love me, obey my commandments. He goes on to say, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. It's pretty cool. So the answer of how to receive the blessings of Christ's lordship is not that we dig in our heels and obey God even though we don't really want to that's not going to sustain over the long term. The answer is actually to recognize that there's some area of rebellion still in our hearts, and then just to go to Jesus. To go to him for a new heart that truly does love him and does and truly does want to obey. This is a real thing that can happen for each and every one of us this morning I've experienced it enough times to say that with confidence. And this whole thing, it happens in relationship with Jesus. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more our heart changes. And the more we know him, the more we love him. And the more we love him, the more we desire to obey him. Our eyes start to be opened to the truth of his goodness and the goodness of his ways. And as that happens, something interesting starts to happen. Sin actually starts to lose its appeal. It stops like it was so tasty before, and we like st- start losing our palate for it almost. And then somewhere later on down the road, we're walking with Jesus down the road, we look back, And we realize, just one day is the way I experience, I just look back one day, and what used to be so enticing to us has lost its appeal. And then eventually, it becomes repulsive. Those chains that used to keep us in bondage have just somehow fallen off somewhere along the road. And most of the time, You know, again, all I can speak from is really my experience. Most of the time, I don't even notice while it's happening. Because it happens while I am fixated on Jesus. That's really the key. To center our lives on Jesus, just gazing at him constantly through the eyes of our hearts. And worshiping him through the works of our hands. And in relationship with others. In other words, we love him and we obey him. Very simple. And in that place, in that place of walking with Jesus, of loving him and obeying him and just just fixating on him, there is the blessing of God's kingdom. Because in that place... Jesus is truly our Lord. And so in that place, we reap all the blessings of God's kingdom as being citizens of God's kingdom. And so now this, this whole thing, it's applicable to all of us this morning because we're still sinners. We all have areas of our hearts that are not yet fully surrendered Christ's lordship as John writes again our buddy John if we claim to have no sin we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth so what that means then is that this morning we all have areas where Jesus is offering us freedom the king is here Lord Jesus is here and he's in the freedom business let that sing in for a second Jesus is here, the Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the one that comes into prisons, takes shackles off of people, and brings them out. This is available to every single one of us this morning. It blows my mind to think about that stuff. So we all have areas of our hearts and lives that we can surrender more fully to Christ's lordship, and we can reap blessings this morning as we lay down whatever is currently Lord, and we submit to Jesus. So as I ask the band to come back up, I'm just going to pray for the Lord Jesus, who is here right now by the Holy Spirit, to reveal those places to us and to give us the strength to surrender them to him, to know freedom this morning. Let's pray.